0: A world so divided.
1: Love is what we need. refugees, ex-fighters, traffic women, and they'll be travelling as experts. People who think they have no value, who've been told they have no value. But if I'm in an emergency, they're the people you want on your team. In
2: the world so Collaborative
1: music projects
2: really are so effective in translating complex issues, culturally sensitive, politically sensitive, in a language that transcends borders, politics, beliefs.
3: Having conversations with the people in your circles, challenging that relative that might say something out of pocket at family dinner, that's where change is created. Just want to give a big shout out to Goal. This is Exchange the Podcast.
0: Exchange from Goal Next Gen is young people from around the world coming together to show how creative endeavors and conversation inspire and create positive change. To help start and share those conversations, we created Exchange the Podcast. This programme will guide young, motivated changemakers to learn all about the UN Sustainable Development Goals. In episode three, we are back in Dublin for the launch of Spark, a project that resulted in a brand new track, video, and documentary premiered with a night of performance, food, and conversation. This episode features one of the panel discussions from the launch event. Our host on the night was presenter, teacher, activist, and writer, Emer O'Neill. The guests in the panel are James Gomez Thompson, founder of The Great Oven, an organisation that puts giant, beautifully decorated ovens in refugee camps in cities in crisis and in post-conflict zones. They also supplied the food for the evening. Amanda Adewale, activist, content creator, podcast host, and former Black and Irish member. And Vicky Walsh, Goal Global Citizenship Manager. Goal NextGen are supported by Irish Aid, Ireland's development cooperation program, which aims to reduce poverty, hunger, and humanitarian need. We join the conversation as Emer has just asked James about the food they had prepared for the event.
4: <laughs> You're an incredible human, actually.
1: Friends with a lot of incredible humans. A couple of them are here that cooked with us today. Tamara and Keith, Margaret and Matoella. And the amazing thing was that they actually took recipes from yeah. our team of refugees and trafficked women and ex-fighters and used that inspiration as a sort of international gastronomic act of solidarity. Let's talk about the Great Oven. We all giant community ovens that are three ton public works of art that we put in refugee camps, post-conflict areas, kind of conflict areas. We do food relief, putting it back in the hands of the people who I think spend so much time either queuing for food boxes. And it's a place for anyone marginalized who wants to, through food and art, not fall victim to radicalization. Is a big part of finding a community around that oven. The biggest part of it at the moment is we've got six sites across Lebanon, and we're about to extend to the border of Colombia and Venezuela. And the real thinking around it is rather than a kind of random European turning up with a novel food relief idea, we're going to take our team of refugees, ex-fighters, traffic women, and they'll be traveling as experts, people who think they have no value, who've been told they have no value. But if I'm in an emergency, they're the people you want on your team
4: you're using ex-child soldiers, trafficked women, refugees, people that need to know that they're human, they're cared about, that they have a role, they're wanted. How do you, how does art translate in terms of what you're doing with your ovens and creating a cohesive community in these places that have had tremendous trauma.
1: At the very beginning, I think I feared a lot of the ovens being stolen or or taken away. I figured that if we got a team together who built it, painted it, and would then protect it. And there are so many people who who had art pouring out of them, who had absolutely no outlet for it. One example, we have a guy called Mustafa, who's an ex-fighter, Where we built the first oven was in an old sniper's perch, a place that people didn't like walking past. Awful memories. And we wanted to convert that place into a place of removing that fear. So we turned that into our first oven workshop. So art aesthetically can replace... Your impression of people of a place that picture there is actually mustafa he would break into the building that snipers perch was in and we come in and he just have done a new wall literally every night and then that picture that came up before two weeks after we left he'd already gathered his own crew to start painting staircases and this was in a, an area of sectarian conflict sunni and uh, Alawite. he had to express himself
4: i believe you have a strong connection between foods and communication and that it can be used, again, nearly like a language. Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: We combed in on this term, which is intuitive layering. Much in the same way that you cook, a lot of people make arts. the same with music. You create the environment for this intuitive layering to happen. It transcends language. And I think just the very act of the recipe, so many of the stories that we were hearing, people would sometimes have a couple of hours to pack their bags if they'd been displaced by conflict. You don't tend to take anything particularly important. The most important thing you take with you is the recipe, your recipe that is home for you. So a big fight for me is to try and get cultural heritage recognition for the migrant recipe and also seeing the way that they mix and blend around displacement, but also in the global north. And that bit of IP that these guys have, I think, has amazing value uh, that transcends language and, and borders.
4: Recipes and food and how people cook the same type of food, but in totally different ways. But it's true to your culture. It's part of your heritage. So even if I'm displaced and I'm somewhere else, I can still bring a piece of my culture with me. And I'm thinking of that movie Ratatouille and the guy, who eats that soup and it brings him right back to his childhood. What can we do?
1: Yeah, that we said with the songs, like share, share the Instagram, let's get the followers on. And then also I think there is a space for this I think uh, this is the very first time that we've got migrant women from here and, and guys cooking the recipes from the other side, I think. Keep sharing your recipes with your friends and experiment constantly. Cooking's all play in the end. Thank you.
4: Amanda. Yes. What up, girl? You are so relatable and so friendly and you're a great storyteller.
3: My activist journey came about very accidental. Like I call myself an accidental activist. First of all, just talking about things that I hear about, it was very much an outpouring from my heart. I think it resonated with people. Taking that into art or into my creativity, I'm a content creator. And I think a lot of what I'm passionate about feeds into that. I'm passionate about people creating change, creating equitable change. The major thing for me is true language. It's fundamentally Irish, just tell a story. And it's a parallel that I see, again, with my African heritage as well. There's such a, I think back to even when I was younger, I would sit and my dad would tell me stories and just, Those like stories that just get passed down and stuff like that. And I think that's such a rich way for people to receive information. For me, like language is extremely important. Communication is extremely important in shaping perspectives. Yes, that's why I'm very particular about the words I use. I'm very particular about messaging and certain things are shaped positively in a solution focused way. That's the way that actual tangible change is created. So it goes beyond just a conversation to giving people the, the incentive to actually create that actionable change, whatever that looks like in their, own, in their own little spheres of influence.
4: What have you learned from your experiences? You got into this kind of area by chance. And I'm sure there are a lot of people here that constantly think to themselves, what can I do to make change? I want to use my voice. I want to use my relationships or connections. What kind of inspirational message do you have for people to push forward and be strong with that?
3: First of all, realizing that it's not going to happen overnight. For me personally, that was like a major thing for me to even come to terms. You're not going to change the world in one day. And I think if each individual person takes it upon themselves to do their bit, so having conversations with the people in your circles, you know, challenging that relative that might say something out of pocket at family dinner, stuff like that's where change is created. Even if that's where your sphere of influence is, if you're doing your bit, to me, that's loads. Taking it a step further from that, then educating yourself. So there's like loads of resources, there's loads of, There's a lot of people sharing their experiences, their, yeah, their own experiences and their stories. And I think engaging with that, tapping into that. And again, Breaking out of your own little echo chamber, we get comfortable in our, in our own little bubbles, surrounding ourselves with people that look like us, that think like us, that have the same way of life. Breaking out of that bubble is extremely important to your own personal growth. Again, I challenge you to talk to people with different political views and not a combative way. There's such a power in being able to have a conversation with someone that you might, may not necessarily agree with, but still having respectful, empathetic conversation with that person. I think it's extremely powerful. Having the agency to do that in whatever sphere of influence you have is extremely important.
4: I do find a lot of these events that I host, I'm always preaching to the converted. You've come out here to support tonight, but I myself learn something new all the time. When people from my community, I learned so much from them, just from being around them and realize in ways that I can do so much more for Ireland and change and inclusion. Vicky, so you work with Goal. You are the Global Citizenship Education Officer. You work with youth, mining a lot of what's going on. Just to say from Goal Next Gen on behalf of Goal, thanks to everyone for coming here tonight.
2: And this is part of the work we do. So for those that don't know, Goal is a humanitarian response agency. We've been responding to crises in 60 countries around the world for the past 45 years, as well as responding to, as a first responder to humanitarian crises, we also support vulnerable communities to survive and overcome crises, in particular, building resilient health systems and food and nutrition security. So in terms of global citizenship, and I know, Emer, you have the same title and confusion when we say who we are and what we do. I didn't make it up, but it is a real title. But essentially, it is engaging with the Irish public and young people in particular, through formal education in schools, Through youth work, we have a youth program that Roisin runs over here and Adam worked with. And then we also do events like this through wider public engagement. So events, we're at festivals, EP, Bloom and Earth Rising. So, yes, the aim of that is to empower young people in Ireland with the knowledge, skills and confidence to speak out for change and to build a more resilient, inclusive and sustainable world for all. We find events like this or projects, collaborative music projects really are So effective in translating really complex issues and often sensitive, culturally sensitive, politically sensitive in a language that yeah transcends borders, politics, beliefs.
4: Just want to give a big shout out to Goal. You're stepping it up, putting action behind their words, and they're taking that next step further. I find sometimes when I come to stuff like this, I there's have you ever heard of KWL? So K is for what you know, W is for what you want to know, and L is for what you have learned. So whenever I go into a place where I'm going to listen to people and learn and absorb that information. I want to figure out what it is that I already know, but what I learned at the end of it. But the main part that generally is where it stops is the action, where you really make the difference. It's that final step. James, you have completed the full circle. You are making clear and distinct change in what it is that you're doing. I'd love to know how your background in food and media has played a role in your humanitarianism.
1: The whole project actually started as a TV show idea. It had a working title of uh, Tales from a Conflict Kitchen. We, a couple of weeks into filming, realized that what we were creating couldn't just be some fake thing for television. It was too successful. And that is the day that I decided to stay in Lebanon four and a half years ago. We didn't quite know what it was going to be at that point, but a lot of the things that we identified is, I think there's a bit of guilt around making entertainment of situations with that extreme hardship. We were seeing the most incredibly talented people who you're probably offering hope to, that you were fearful that you might let down one day. So a lot of the skills in finding interesting characters, I can find an interesting character and follow through. And empower them. It's an interesting thing in the food world. One of the things I'd always identified is a lot of the most interesting recipes and stories happen to be in countries where people are starving to death. And in the West, a lot of the ideas around food television aren't going particularly anywhere. It's recycled nonsense. Actually, why don't we use the tricks of entertainment to empower these voices? Absolutely and create a kind of movement around it. I think we were using, I was very inspired by counterculture, sound system culture. So seeing people gathering around a giant oven, it wasn't necessarily NGOs that they were there. They were forming part of it. Right in the beginning, we didn't necessarily have a place for our oven. So there's a friend of mine who owned basically Beirut's most famous techno club. And we needed, one of our ovens was on the threat. And yeah. I went to him and I said, House and Techno was built on safe spaces for people from marginalized backgrounds. How about you can be your nightclub as a community kitchen by day and it could be a nightclub at night?
4: Was that a goer?
1: It was, yeah. We would get like 100 people <laughs> team each day. Absolutely amazing. So for, I guess you know it,
4: what? If you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah,
1: exactly. I want to get around to actually creating a massive community nightclub stroke kitchen. Food uh, and that dancing? Needs, that, that needs to exist. I'm there. Maybe that's what we can create here in Ireland.
4: Say no more. Amanda what form of your artistry do you find is the most influential
3: I want to be able to say videos because that's just my passion I love video but honestly it's actually this it's conversations it's just talking so whether that be by spoken word whether that be by stuff like this yeah just talking to people sharing a story having a conversation I think it just I think brings us back to what fundamentally just makes us human it's just that connection yeah, I think that's honestly, that's the best way to break down any misconceptions, to break down walls between people and build a bridge. There's always something that, that you know, on a human level that we can share. And I think when people are able to see those similarities within, within themselves, regardless of whatever the exterior looks like, they're so much more receptive of whatever you say after that point. So I think once everything opens up with, with a conversation with a person, they're like everything else can come after.
4: I couldn't agree more. Being invited to such a a diverse group here tonight is so beautiful. I think it's the epitome of
3: a true Ireland, which is changing and is so incredible. You mentioned it there. So you mentioned the word diversity. And for me, it's like bringing it beyond that So buzzwords at the moment is diversity and inclusion. But what does that actually mean? The way I like to think of it in my mind, like diversity is like being asked to a dance. Inclusion is like being asked to dance. So the difference there is actually inviting people onto the dance floor. So it's one thing to have a room full of people that look different. Do those people feel safe in that room? Does everyone's voice matter in that room? Or does, does that in, doesn't the individual feel like their voice matters in that room? And I think that's like where the key difference is. Because I've been in a lot of diverse rooms where I'm afraid to speak. So I think fostering an environment that's not just diverse, but also like actively inclusive is extremely important and, and that's not even just on this on a personal level like in your everyday life are you approaching people with a mindset of inclusivity like when people encounter you do they feel safe enough to be able to bring the, themselves and show themselves to you so for me that's just, like, just I think on a personal level just like operating from a mindset of actively being inclusive and, and maintaining that I think in every interaction
4: that is such a solid point it's so true and I was at an event it's a while ago now it's an educational organization and the whole reason I was there was about equality and inclusion and afterwards a couple of students came up to me and one of them said so he's from India and came here for education and he said that he was having a really tough time getting partners to work with him in his college courses that when the professor would say i want you guys to team up now please and you're going to do this project um that literally they had to go. And it wasn't just one, there was a couple of others that had to actually go to the professor and say, nobody will have me in their group. I can't get picked, literally. And it's just even something as simple as that. Yet your organization might have all the bells and whistles in terms of frameworks and strategic plans and all of the buzzwords in place and the policies. But if that stuff is still going on, are you... Really making a difference. Equity and equality gives me that same vibe because people believe that equality is the same as equity. And it is so not. And people start with equality first when you cannot have equality without having equity to begin with. And the equity is recognizing the needs of those in marginalized groups and realizing that their needs are going to be different than the next. It's like having two people, you have a wheelchair user and a non-wheelchair user and you bring them both bikes because you want them to have access to being able to travel to and from school together. The reality of it is, what is a wheelchair user going to do with that? Vicky, it was probably about a month ago, was it? And we had visitors over. So ambassadors for the program come over and visit from Ethiopia, Uganda. Zimbabwe. Talk to me a little bit about that.
2: Goal Gen as a whole, as an organisation, really values inclusion and that inspired inclusion, not just diversity. And we work in now 14 countries across uh, the world. So we're very much led by our colleagues and our um, partners in all of these different regions. And um, one of the programmes that we run in Goal Next Gen is the Next Gen Youth Programme. Um, so there's 30 young people are brought, and some of the members are here tonight. You might... Giveaway, Remy, Ross, Neva's here. <laughs> Welcome. But yeah, we connect 15 young people in, based in Ireland with 15 young people based in the countries in which Goal works. That's so a really encouraging cross-collaborative approach and really epitomizes the whole values of global citizenship through that program. So they learn about the different uh, you know, areas in which Goal works, which I mentioned before, health, climate and the food and nutrition security and humanitarian response. And then they come together at the end to do a collaborative project. So, one of them was the piece that Adam made, the spoken word piece. There's another project that was made the year before, which is a photo essay exhibition that shows the connections between climate and food systems across the global south and north. So it's really powerful. And again, we're using that creative angle and that creativity lens to facilitate and platform voices from across the countries and regions we work in. Yeah, we just find it a really effective tool that just can spark debate and conversation and introspection and reflection that can really lead to a positive change in communities.
4: What has been one of the most challenging things for you so far in this journey? The more I learn and the more I work in the
2: sector, the more I realise what I don't know, (laughs) which is a good thing, I think, to keep an open mind and and just keep learning. And a real challenge is negative narratives, stereotyping misconceptions in the public, especially growing narratives, dissenting against, I suppose, global citizenship values and and what we're trying to do here. I, I think most people in the room here are trying to promote. So that's a challenge, and it's it's hard to see that growing. Or I I don't know if the demographic is growing, or if the the voices are just getting louder. So I think as a response to that, we also need to be loud, but in a positive way, in a solution orientated way, as as others have said. So that's what we see spark and this exchange campaign being a real vessel or a vehicle to do that.
4: Yeah, yeah, They couldn't come at a better time, and it's so needed. Okay, and have we got some questions? A bit of engagement. Yes. In the back. Thank you guys. Are you enjoying yourselves? Yeah. And can I just ask, are are you feeling empowered, inspired and motivated? Are you? Are you actually? Oh, hell yeah. That's what I like to hear. Okay.
5: Hi everyone. Thank you very much for a brilliant panel. I just wanted to ask you about just what Vicky was just touching on there and what I think we've been um, chatting towards for the whole night it's that piece around like being represented and being someone who is of a diverse background and putting yourself out there to create music to create art and it's something that I worked for St. Patrick's Festival I promise it's relevant. In the festival we find that we are trying our best to put as put at the face of contemporary Ireland but we also find that we're almost putting people in the firing squad in some kind of ways and we've worked with Emer in the past and Adam and we've, we do find that because there is that narrative that Vicky was referring to that it can be quite, it can sometimes I think feel unsafe. So is there anything that organisations like St Patrick's Festival can be doing that can make that a slightly safer space for people to, to be visible in?
4: Brilliant question, Amanda.
5: I feel like for
3: something like St Patrick's Festival obviously these are artists and um, these are performers, these are people that are putting out art anyways on, on their own. The main things I would say, the responsibilities that I feel like would be on you guys. First of all, before environment or before people even get in the room, I think there needs to be a certain level of intentionality. So before that point it's why are we working with these artists? And is our reasoning for working with these artists or our motivations for working with these artists correct? So I think as an artist, if I was to feel like this organization values me they want me in this space they that would automatically put me at ease before I even get in the door so I think first of all having that certain level of intentionality where it's not just like a tokenistic thing and people are actually you're intentional about the people that you work with and I think creating lasting relationships as well with people that you work with so I've I've worked with so many different organizations and brands or whatever where it's like Black History Month and all of a sudden they need a speaker and then I never hear from them ever again. So I think creating an an actual relationship first of all with these artists as an organization so throughout the year and not just at specific specific times when there's opportunities like Imir said there's a certain it's not just equality there's equity so creating equitable opportunities for people so at numerous points in the year are you engaging with these artists? So by the time like the festival comes around or whatever, it's not just to pick up the phone and now we're hearing from you kind of thing. So I think once people first realize that, automatically they're good, they're going to feel a little bit more at ease with that relationship anyway. And I think once that is like the sentiment and that's what's brought people together in a room, the environment in the room is going to feel like it's going to feel nice to work in. I think ex- outside of that, there's not much you could do. Like people don't like on the external, it's just, a it's, comes with the territory i think of being an artist people are going to have opinions people are going to not like your art i think just for, for as an organization or as an organization if you have championed these artists and you're sticking by them or whatever that will matter to the artists and i think that's where the protection is and in, in that relationship where that's where the responsibility is on you guys yeah i think that's for me that would be the main thing
4: that was an incredible answer thank you for that amanda have we got any more questions we have one
1: I feel totally inspired by today, by the way. Being a musician myself and seeing what you guys are doing, how would someone like myself or anybody get into doing what you guys do? Like, how would someone like myself make a difference? If we feel like we've got something to offer, how would we offer that?
2: Yeah, I can go for that one. I think, yeah, approach organizations that have shared values, whatever your passion is, whatever that social justice or global justice issue is that you're passionate about. We're always open for new ambassadors, new artists. It's been amazing to work with four new artists this year, Adam, last year. So please (laughs) knock on our door (laughs) as Goal Next Gen. I think there's the whole sector is there's a lack of engagement with the creative, creative sector in terms of international NGOs. I think we use lots of different maybe more formal avenues, but I think there's a lack of creative engagement, which we see as Goal Next Gen as a really exciting and new kind of Place to, to to carve a niche out in, and like I've said myself, I repeat a few times, but we just see it as a universal language that can really translate the complex issues in which Goal works to address and tackle global injustice, inequality, and crises. Working with as many artists as many different genres and mediums as possible—that's where we're going, and we're really forging a path. And we hope that the rest of the sector will follow suit because we all have the same aim. None of us want to actually exist as organizations. We don't want global crises or have to address these issues as much collaboration um,
1: as possible on that collaboration but I think mixing genres a little bit so a lot of people so basically everyone eats so food is the Trojan horse into any I think the, the thing that's most needed are community spaces and where it doesn't cost money for people to congregate and in that place you can do art you can eat come up with recipes you can put on a club night you can all of these things that all interact with each other those places don't exist we need to get those places to exist places where people can go and be uh not very good for a little while i think there's the pressure of if you're not going viral if you're not like make it straight away like where are those pubs that you used to be able to i'm pretty sure led zeppelin weren't led zeppelin straight away they did a couple of years of being absolutely terrible in pubs in wolverhampton like, we need to find those places, but actually just be cheeky with it because there's a lot of restaurants that are empty on certain days. If you need a meeting, just become friends with people in your wider artistic community.
4: We have time, I think, for one more question.
1: Perfect. Thank you. And also really good panel as well as the last one. I think a lot of what I learned today is about learnings, but I want to talk about unlearnings maybe for yourself specifically from your own work. So why have you brought something that you maybe have unlearned from your journey that might be relevant to all of us here as well?
2: These the kind of young people we have in our program, right? That's, I suppose what I've unlearned is to keep an open mind and to be open to those cultural experiences and learning from the people we work with. And I think probably James would articulate that better in terms of letting communities lead in that engagement. But I think, yeah, again, I'm going to plug the creativity, but that's what I learned. We're all connected. There's more similarities than differences in, in our cultures, in our food and music. That's how I've really found that I've connected with people from all over the world through creativity, arts and culture. Yeah, I think that's what I've learned or I've unlearned to have preconceived perceptions and just be open-minded and soak in culture and arts. I just love it. Yeah. Thank, you.
4: Thank you.
3: Do, Do you want, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, kind of, I'm going to steal a little bit of that. So it's like those preconceived notions, but for me, it was self. So I'm I grew up in Kildare, Kildare town, and it's pretty small. Like I knew everyone. Everyone in the town knows each other, kind of place. And I think growing up in that kind of an environment with a certain narrative about people that look like me being pushed, I think I internalized a lot of those myself without even realizing it. So it actually wasn't even until a lot of the conversations that happened around 2020 that I was actually able to unpack some of my own assumptions of myself and, and how I am and how I should be and what what it even means to be um, a black woman in Ireland at that time I think very much like similar to what you guys were saying earlier I think it was it felt like I'd been put in a box and I hadn't even realized that I was even I was in the box so it wasn't until I was in spaces that were challenging that perception of myself that I was actually able to start actively first of all recognizing that those perceptions exist and then actively trying to unlearn that. So unlearning, like for, for me, if I think the work started was actually with my hair. And you can see in the picture there, I went through a phase, I literally just had to, I chopped my hair, my entire, I chopped off all of my hair, just to start again, because my relationship with my hair was just so difficult, just from growing up. And a lot of the narratives that were around black hair at the time, or whatever. So even just something as simple as my hair, I had to come to a whole process of unlearning what I had already internalized and then relearning how to actually love it and accept it and all of those things and fully embrace all of those aspects of my character that I, I just either neglected or actively. So for me, that would be mainly those perceptions of, of myself, I think. To quote my, love is what we need in the world so divided. So
2: yeah, just share love to all of you coming out here tonight. That's something else. These messages can't get out there and cut across the noise to young people in Ireland without the media without social influencers and activists like yourselves. Show the song and the campaign a lot of love. Share, let's share, share.
4: Thank
0: you all very much and thank you guys. You're fantastic. Thank you for listening to Exchange, the podcast from Goal Next Gen Exchange, a campaign designed to engage and empower 18 to 39 year olds all over the world in themes of global citizenship. Exchange is a series of creative productions to elevate and connect the voices of the next generation in a changing world. Please share and subscribe. If you feel like you have a voice and ideas and would like to get involved, go to www.goalglobal.org forward slash youth. You can follow us on social media at Goal Next Gen on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a thinkest production for Goal Next Gen.